That was hot off the presses, bro. Powerful, powerful word. Powerful, powerful word. You guys ready for that one to be released in a single? Yeah? Amen. Such a good word to be mindful of. It's so funny how unintentionally we keep people in their positions before Jesus transformed their lives. But when Jesus came to transform their life, that was the purpose. He came to transform their life so that their name would be everything about him and not themselves. Amen? Amen. Y'all ready to get to business tonight? Come on, you ready? All right. You got your Bibles? Let's see them. Wave them in the air. Come on. It's the Word of God. It's living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can divide the indivisible. Hey, if you're here and this, so far this week you've given your life to Christ, raise your hand real quick. Matter of fact, go ahead. If you've just given your life to Christ this week, go ahead and stand up. We want to celebrate with you tonight. Praise God. Don't sit down. Here's the deal. No, 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 no. Stand back up. Stand back up. We want to celebrate you. Here's the deal, guys. We celebrate you. We celebrate what Christ is doing in your life. We celebrate the newness that's there. And we want to encourage you now to begin this new walk with Jesus. I want to encourage you to express to the youth leader that you're with that you want to follow through in believer's baptism. And that's the next step. So, so I wear a wedding band. And what does that signify? That I'm married. So it's an outward symbol of an inward commitment. You with me? How many, do I have any athletes in the house? Okay. When you are on a sports team, you, you wear a what? You wear a jersey. And that jersey identifies what? What team you play on. And see, guys, that's what baptism does for us. It doesn't save us because we're already saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But what it does do is it's the outward symbol that reps what team we're playing on that confesses outwardly the internal commitment that we've made. And so we baptize, one, because the word baptizo means to submerge. So we submerge into, into the waters to identify with Jesus' death. And then we raise to life, identifying with the new life that is now yours as you are now hidden in Christ. And so we want to encourage you to follow through with believer's baptism. I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, to let us know so that you have a Bible. Students, I went to church a bunch as a little kid, but I never grew in Jesus until I started reading God's Word. And I want to encourage you to begin starting, you can start in the Gospel of Mark, start in 1 John, just start and consistently read God's Word. And here's the thing, when you read God's Word, it reads you. When you seek to be changed by God's word, it changes you. And it fills you up to where there's no room for the old ways. I want to encourage you students to be active, involved with the church that brought you to this camp. You with me? I want to encourage you to tell that youth pastor, that pastor, that youth worker to say, Hey, help me get involved. I want to know when Sunday night services are. I want to know when Wednesday night services are. I want to know when you're doing small group Bible study. Show me how to get involved so that I can begin to grow as a Christian. And then here's the thing I want to encourage you to do. I want to encourage you to tell everyone you can about how Jesus saved you at this camp. Here's the deal. Over 20 plus years of traveling and preaching the gospel. And I'm going to let you sit down in just a second because I know some of you are looking at me like, why do I just keep standing? Because you're our honored guest. 
You're the re whole reason we did camp. Amen. Praise God. Yeah. So here's the deal. Over the years, I've watched students who gave their life to Christ walk out of a counseling room going, man, if it's this good, why didn't my Christian friends tell me about Jesus before now? And what they're speaking is truth, is that many of you already had friends who were Christians all around you, but they never opened their mouth to tell you about how amazing Jesus was. So now, don't do what they did. You have the closest connection to any of us to other lost friends, friends who don't know Jesus as their personal Savior. And I want to encourage you to tell them. I want to encourage you to tell them on, Monday, on whatever night it was, Thursday night or Friday night. It's tonight, it's tonight Saturday night, right? Yeah, I'm so lost in my days. On Saturday night, maybe even tonight, you give your life to Christ. And I want to encourage you to tell other people what Jesus did for you. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you. We celebrate you. And we celebrate those who have given their hearts and lives to you. Jesus, grant these students boldness so they will celebrate you in everything. That, Father, they would not shrink back from living for you, but they would be bold in celebrating you. And I ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. Lord, would you speak to us tonight? Let us be changed by you. Save that student who's still holding on. Let them, Lord Jesus, in reckless abandon and freedom be able to give themselves to you tonight. And, Father, for the student that knows you, would you sustain them and help them be freed from the mess that's in their life. And I ask these things in the amazing name of Jesus and all God's students said, amen. amen. You guys may be seated. Let's celebrate them again. How many of you guys like cartoons? Man, I love cartoons. See, cartoons for me are, man, I got to go back to celebrate some cartoons. Like, anybody ever watched a cartoon called Bugs Bunny? That's what I'm talking about. Man, Bugs Bunny was the bomb, dude. It was awesome. I used to love this cartoon when I was growing up called The Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. You know what I'm talking about? Man, the Wile E. Coyote, dude, he should have been the representative for the Timex watch because that dude took a licking and kept on ticking, man. He'd fall off a mountain and he'd be like all bent up <laughs> like this. And like in the next episode, he was fine. I mean, that dude was amazing. I used to absolutely love this cartoon, man, that taught me if I wanted to find a mouse, I just need to look over at the side of the wall and wherever there was an arched out doorway, there was a little mouse that lived in there. His name was Jerry and he had a best friend named Tom. Anybody know about some Tom and Jerry? Love me some cartoons. But I'm going to tell you, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite cartoons in all the world was about a dude who had oversized forearms. His name was Popeye the Sailor Man. Yes, sir. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Boop, boop. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Boop, boop. Me fit to the finish because me eats me spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Boop, boop. And if you have absolutely no idea what in the world I'm talking about, you can YouTube it, okay? You can Google it and check it out. Popeye the Sailor Man started as a comic strip simply in a Sunday morning paper in the late 30s. And it ran pretty much like that and in comic books for decades until in the 1980s, Popeye was popularized by Robin Williams, the late Robin Williams, as he played, took on the role as Popeye. Now, here's the story of Popeye. All right, y'all listening? Popeye 
No matter where he went as a sailor, he was on one main journey. From island to island to city to city, from land to land, he was on one main journey. And that main journey was this, to find his estranged pappy that he had been separated from at birth. And everywhere he went, he carried a picture of his pappy. It's me, pappy. Like that. He would show you his pappy and would ask if you've seen his pappy. And he ends up in this place called Sweet Haven. And where he kind of takes up residence, he meets this little slim darling known as Olive Oil. Olive Oil like most whiny voice ever. He's big, he's strong. I mean, just like good grief. And he kind of falls for olive oil, not unbeknownst to him that she's already betrothed to be married to the city mayor, who is known as Bluto. And Bluto's this big old burly dude, man. And the story culminates in Popeye and Bluto ready to mix it up just a little bit. And it's a battle that no way in the world Popeye would win. And just about the time he is to... Like the apex of the story is about to take place, Popeye runs into, he meets his daddy. And when he meets his dad, his dad tells him the secret of their success. And what is it? Spinach. Spinach. And when he listens to his dad, it's a game changer. When that dude throws down some spinach, boy, he can step on your big toe and be like, just send you like to the moon and back, dude. I mean, this dude's awesome. When he listens to his dad, it's a game changer. When he met his dad, who he was separated from birth, it's a game changer. But here's the crazy thing for me about this story that I like and I think applies to you and me, several parts of it. Before he met his dad, Popeye came up with a slogan that he would say at about just every moment. He would say it when he fell down. He would say it when somebody made fun of his voice and his squinched up eye. He would say it when someone would make fun of his forearms and how big they were or how ragtag his clothes were or how squeaky his voice was or it, whatever he did. And this was the phrase that he would say. He would say this. He would say, I am what I am and that's all that I am. Yuck, 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 yuck. Somebody said, why do you talk like that? Why do you look like that? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Someone would say, well, why, why are you rowing that boat? I am what I am, and that's all that I am. If he tripped and fell down and rolled out of the city limits, he would jump back in, and everybody would jump back up, and everybody would make fun of him. He'd say, I am what I am. And what this became was it became a slogan he used to hide out in all of his insecurities. It became basically a label for him, a quick reference, a go-to to compensate for why his life isn't the way he thought it should be. It was a way that he could hide behind how things didn't really match up, although he wanted them to so, so much. And guys, when I read this story and I study about Popeye, I think a lot about you and me. You see, the Bible presents, we kind of have the same case. We from birth are estranged from the father that we belong to, and that's our heavenly father. And so many of us are on this desperate search. As a matter of fact, all of us are to try to fill that position in our life. And some of us fill it into, with all kinds of stuff that don't have anything to do with him. And in the process of that, we start developing some slogans and some phrases to hide out why our life is the way it is. We call those labels. And see, the Bible knows that you and I live in a world that loves to slap a label on you. 
But see, the crazy thing is, is that many times those labels are incorrect. Many times those labels can be dangerous. Many times those labels, once you learn them, you'll build on them and you'll use them to explain your life. And many times they'll leave you a wreck. And tonight, students, I want you to understand, it's time to peel the label. Tonight, I want us to look at a passage of Scripture in Mark chapter 5 about a lady who we don't know anything about except all of her labels. It's an amazing story. Jesus has begun his public ministry. He's traveling from place to place. And this story we're going to look at is actually in the middle of a bigger story where Jesus is on his way. He's traveling around, and a ruler of the synagogue came by. His name was Jairus, and he said, hey, my daughter's sick. Would you come and help? Would you lay hands on her? Would you heal her? And, of course, Jesus is like, yeah, let's go. And so they roll out. And in the process of them rolling out is where we find this next story. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 5. If you don't have it, it's up on the screen. But we're going to pay attention to this story. We're going to start in Mark chapter 5, verse 24 and following. Listen to the Word of God as the Word of God begins and says, A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Talking about Jesus. Now, students, I highlight this because I absolutely love this. See, when I'm on planes and I'm in rental car lines and all kinds of stuff, and I start talking about Jesus to people, specifically, normally this never happens with young ladies or, or women. This always happens when I'm talking to young men and, and, and adult males. And I'm talking to them about Jesus and giving their life to Jesus, and I normally always hear this. Well, Brian, I, man, I'm not really into that, man. You know, my, my wife, she's big-time Christian, or, 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 or my, my daughter, she's big-time Christian, but... Man, I, I just, I ain't into that. Christianity's kind of boring to me. Well, immediately what they're doing unintentionally is they're confessing to me they never met the Jesus of the New Testament. They've never met the Jesus of the Bible. Because everywhere in the New Testament, when Jesus is mentioned, there's always a crowd around him. Now, I'm not a very smart man, but y'all help me just add two plus two here, Okay. Do, thank you. I appreciate that. Texas County Schools are at work there, okay? All right. Help me understand this, or Texas Public Schools, I should actually say. Um, help me understand this. Do stadiums fill out for teams where there's no action and there's no draw? No. Stadiums fill out to watch two teams play. Why? Because there's what? There's something worth watching, Right? Do movie theaters sell out for movies that are awful and horrible and are boring? No, they sell out for what? Movies that are awesome, have a great storyline, and where there's a lot of action or at least mystery or interest to draw you in. Do UFC fights sell out because the guys are going to dance around the ring for, the, for 25 minutes? No, they sell out because why? There's going to be crazy, crazy action. So students, if we can use that kind of logic for a movie, an athletic event, a concert, or an MMA fight, then who in the world, why couldn't we use the same logic to say the reason why there are crowds following Jesus is because he is more than just an interesting public figure, that when Jesus steps on the scene, action's about to take place. Fair enough? Come on. Fair enough? Okay, cool. 
Just making sure you're with me. Now notice as the scripture goes forward. And they pressed around him. Notice verse 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew what? Worse. Now I want to set this up for us. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm not trying to be crude. I'm not trying to be inappropriate tonight. I just think sometimes when we read passages in the scripture, we kind of gloss over them. Okay? So if you're taking notes tonight, maybe these are some notes that you want to take. Immediately, we're introduced to a whole new character in the story, a woman. We don't know her name, but we're getting ready to figure out what her labels are. And this woman has a pile of health issues. Number one, she has, go forward, dude, if you want to show the notes. Number one, notes, they thanks. She has some severe health issues. The Bible says that for 12 years, she has been bleeding. Now, more than likely, this is her menstrual cycle, okay? Again, not trying to be rude, not trying to make anybody feel weird. It's just a part of life, okay? It's a part of life. It's a part of the reproductive cycle of, of the way God's created human beings, okay? Specifically, females, all right? Now, guys, help me here with this. Are you with me? Let's just say this young lady started her menstrual cycle when? 15? Just 12. Thank you, ladies. I appreciate that. Add 12 years to it. How old is she now? She's 24 years old. All right? Let's just put this together, okay? So for 12 years, this young lady has never, ever had a day that her body was not hemorrhaging. She, for 12 years, that's 144 months. That's 4,380 days. That's 105,120 hours. And that's 6.3 million seconds that this girl has had blood exiting her body. Now, now again, I'm not trying to be gross, but I want, to under, I want you to understand the issue of what's going on here. What's the one mineral, what's the one composite of your blood that you have to have in your body to give you health and life? Iron. Some of y'all need to pay attention in chemistry and biology class, okay? Iron. Shh. Now, let me, this is, can I just be transparent? This passage means something to me because my wife, Angie, about a year ago, she was just feeling horrible. And we took her to the doctor, and the doctor did a blood test on her, and we discovered that her iron level was critically low. Like the doctor, her doctor looked at her and said, Miss Burgess, Angie, you could die at any time. And she began to ask my wife about her menstrual cycle. My, my wife's giving me freedom to talk about this, okay? And if you're a parent watching this at home, not trying to be gross, just trying to help these students understand that the Bible doesn't gloss over anything. The Bible understands the situations and the struggle that people live in. Y'all digging me tonight? And so for years, my wife has, has had this issue, and we didn't know it. And so here's my young wife, she's 
37 years old, and her body is just basically depleted of iron, which has made her arthritis and all kinds of other things that shouldn't be happening for 30 years down the road come out of nowhere to where it's difficult for her every single day. And they begin to put iron back in my wife's blood system and in her body. Wow, crazy, like coming back to life. It was insane. My wife's always been one of the best workout partners I've ever had of all the bodybuilding buddies and strongman competition buddies I've ever had. And like, I got my workout partner back. Like, she is amazing. Now, let me help you understand this. How long do you think into this 144 months, these 4,380 days, do you think this girl felt like doing anything? Probably not too far into this, right? Now, here's the other thing we need to understand, students, is that because of the book of Leviticus, Leviticus 15, because of the holy codes, God gave a decree through Moses that anyone, whether a male or a female, who had a discharge leaving their body, specifically blood, had to leave the camp where everybody was at and had to go live outside of the camp until the issue was resolved. So for 144 months, this girl has been living in isolation. Any of y'all ever felt lonely before? I can only imagine this girl packing up all her stuff, heading out there, and at certain times throughout the months, certain times throughout the year, her friends would come out at the established place where they had, and she watched her friends stay there for their time, but then they'd pack up and they'd get to go home. I wonder how long into the 144 months that it took her to where she was totally alone. And y'all know how mean kids are, right? See, here's the other thing that she had to do as well because of the, of the Levitical code. Everything that, that was bled on had to be washed and clean. I wonder how long it took her before she was tired of doing her laundry. Matter of fact, I wonder how long it took before she even had a pair of clothes that weren't stained. You with me? And when she walked into town, she would have to announce to everyone, almost like a leper, she would have to announce because to not make them ceremonially unclean if they were on their way to worship at the temple, she would have to yell, unclean! unclean. Now, I wonder how many times she rolled up into Walmart announcing that, and it was some smart, smart other kid with her cell phone going, guess who's back in town, the people at Walmart, and posted on their Instagram. Y'all with me tonight? And this is what this girl goes through. And the Bible says that she went through a whole bunch of torture, that she suffered much at the hands of doctors. About seven years ago, my brother-in-law, we found out he had cancer. And about two and a half years ago, on February the 21st of 2015, he won his battle with cancer and went to see Jesus face to face. And I celebrate the fact that I'll see him one day. I never say that I lost my brother-in-law because I know exactly where he's at. He's in the arms of Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's the hope we have as Christians. But as soon as we announced to our community that my brother-in-law had cancer, immediately we started getting phone calls and text messages and just flooded in with emails of people saying, you need to go to this hospital, you need to go to this hospital, you need to go to this hospital. And so we went to Charlotte. We went to Duke Medical. 
We called the Mayo Clinic. We found out, finally wound up doing all of our treatments at MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. And I, if you're from Houston, thank you so much for having an amazing hospital like that. I live, we lived there for a long, long time trying to help my brother-in-law. And so I can only imagine this girl, people, her friends saying, hey, you need to go check that doctor out in Nazareth. You need to check that doctor out in Capernaum. You need to check that doctor out over on the top of the Golan Heights. You need to check that doctor out in Jerusalem. And I just wonder, every time she went to a new doctor, she thought, this could be the day. This could be the day somebody could, could help me. But the Bible says instead of getting better, she grew what? Worse. And then the Bible mentions this one phrase, guys. It says, and she spent all that she what? Had. Now, if you're paying attention tonight, I want to teach you something. In the New Testament, specifically the Gospels, when the Bible mentions a female and then mentions either losing her money or spending all of her money, the Bible has one thought in mind about a very significant piece or, or, or amount of money that a female would have. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You want to take a, take a guess? Her dowry. You see, it's a totally different culture now, but a father, a loving father, would give his daughter the price of a bride. In other words, he would give his daughter land or money or a mass of cattle or, or anything that when it was her time to be married and to go forward and bear children with her, with her new husband, that she could take this amount of money or she could take this amount of property and add the value to the new family that she's establishing. And I just wonder right now, guys, see, this was a piece of her identity. Are y'all with me? I just wonder that last day when she realized she didn't have any more money and buried in the bottom of her closet was maybe a little chest that her, her daddy gave her that she carried out there with her to live in isolation. And she had, she had checked everywhere else in the house, but she had to go and grab her dowry. And I just wonder what it was like for her all the way to that doctor knowing that she was getting ready to give away basically her last hope as to kind of be, this is my significance as a woman. I know it's a totally different culture, but can you all understand what I'm saying? This is, this is one of those things that brought value into her as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a woman in the community. And the Bible says she spent all that she had. You see, her labels, we don't know anything about her, but we know everything about her labels, don't we? And her labels limited her. But notice as the scripture goes forward. Y'all still with me tonight? Notice as we go forward. Verse 27. When she heard about... Come on. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. When she heard about Jesus. Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. And immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now, I love this story, this part of the story. My girl is in town. Don't know why she's in town, but she's in town. Right? And it's a crowd. She's not even supposed to be around people. 
Y'all with me? But she heard about Jesus. And her hearing, notice what the scripture says, affected her what? Her thinking. And when her thinking was affected, it changed her actions. She said, if I, she heard about Jesus, she thought, if I can, she thought, if I can just touch him, I'll be made whole. You see, students, what I want you to understand from this passage is this. What you hear affects your thinking, and how you think affects how you act and the choices you make. Can I preach on this for just a second? This is the reason why students, guys like me, are always concerned about the music that you are listening to. See, most of us on our iPhones don't have piles of podcasts and sermons. We have what on our iPhones? We got music and videos on our iPhones. And most of the music that we listen to, and guys, I listen to all kinds of music, okay? I'm not a music hater, but I'm going to be straight up with you. It's very, it's very difficult to listen to pop radio. It's very difficult to listen to the top 20 chart out there and have a consistent walk with Jesus that is focused on him. Y'all with me? Can I just give us a few examples? Now, I've already shared with y'all music I listen to. Can I share with you a few examples? Are, 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 we, a, are we a pop kind of culture or are we a, are we a country kind of culture? Which, which, which are we? All right. I'll do both. Okay, okay. Calm down. I'll do both. Anybody ever heard of a dude named Bruno Mars? He got a song right now. I think it's number one and number two on the tracks. Maybe you know the lyrics. That's what I like. Let me just, I was in, I was in my truck. I flew in to, uh, back into Charlotte. I jumped in my truck and I started thumbing through the radio because I do that when I'm tired and I'm like, I play schizophrenic DJ, right? You know that? You got that one friend that you ride down the road and they go, hey, have you heard this song? And, and you're like, no. And they start playing it to you and about the time you can get into it and start hearing it, they change it on you. And you're like, what is wrong with you? Right? Who does that? Just listen to this. He starts out. So I'm thumbing through the radio, and Bruno Mars comes on. I can recognize Bruno Mars because he's got, you know, he's got all kinds of crazy songs, okay? All right? That's Pharrell. Sorry, my bad. All right, check it out. He goes, hey, 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 I got a condo in Manhattan. Baby girl, what's happening? Do not finish the rest of this line. You and your posterior are invited and then the next three lines are about what he wants to see you do with your backside hold on look I ain't a hater I'm just telling you what you hear affects your thinking and how you think will affect how your heart, what your heart is passionate about and how you make decisions. He says, I ain't going to finish that. He says, I'll rent a beach house in Miami. Wake up with no jammies. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Michael, you know this song? Michael, I didn't see no holy matrimony up in here. I mean, at least Beyonce said you won't get with this. Put a ring on it. Oh, okay. Lobster tail for dinner, Julio serving that scampi. 
you got it if you want it, got it, got it if you want it, said you got it if you want it, take my wallet if you want it, jump in the caddy, right? Girl, let's put some miles on it, anything you want, just put a smile on you, you deserve it, baby, you deserve it, come on. You deserve it, baby. You deserve it all. I'm going to give it to you. And then he says, cool jewel be shining so bright. Strawberry champagne on ice. Lucky for you. Lucky for you. That's Now, can I just, can I just uh, work through this song right quick? First off, Brixton, where you at, brother? Stand up for me right quick. And two, can Brixton come to one of y'all's family groups so, so he'll have a family group to come to? Thank you very much. Now, Brixton, this is my Brixton conversation right here. Brixton, if some thug pulls up in our driveway playing a Bruno Morris song like this, asking for your sister, if you don't turn his head around and shove it down in his shoulders, when I get done with him, then I'm going to handle you, okay? I love you, boy. You can be seated. See, here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. I ain't hating on it. I ain't hating on it, but I am hating on it. Because when you got a guy that's talking to you like this and all he's interested in is your backside, then immediately you know this is not the guy for you. Because what happens when the backside don't look like it looks right now? That's probably too much. Y'all may not invite me back, but I'm going to tell you the truth. When you got a guy who is so controlling of how you are drawn to him and says to you, lucky for you, that's what I like, girlfriend, that is not a guy you need. That is a spawn of Satan who is designed to take everything from you. And then when you go, what? He goes, well, sorry, sorry for you. That's not what I like anymore. See, I'd love to see some young ladies who would hear about Jesus and when it would change their thinking so that their actions can't be duped by some dude with a fast car, with a cute little, you know, studly little body, you know, doing his thing, looking so right, okay? But when that dude walks up to you and he's talking to you like the big hippo in Madagascar too, oh, you big, oh, you fine, oh, you big, oh, you fine, that you could say to him, tell me something I don't know. Because here's the deal. I've been reading the greatest love letter ever. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. And I got a... I got a Savior who's the lover of my soul that in the book of Revelation, it said, and I looked and beheld as though it were a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So in Jesus' eyes, even before creation happened, I so big and fine with him, he decided he was going to die for me. So if you want to get with this, you better get with him. And if you don't want nothing to do with him, then you might as well keep stepping because you ain't never going to know anything about this. See, girls, 
That's when you understand the gospel message is more than just a prayer and it's more than just dressing up for Sunday morning. That's the love message of Jesus that will walk you through any situation in life. And dudes, if this is all you're interested in, in a girl that's around you, nothing wrong with being attracted to somebody. I totally, totally get it. When I met my wife, I sang the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here be. Okay, y'all with me? I ain't got nothing. I ain't hating on nobody being attracted to somebody, okay? But if this is the focus of your life, you definitely need to be born again tonight. Girls, wouldn't you love to know? I'd love to know there's a group of young men out there. Man, hey, turn me off for a second. Can I come down and preach with this right here, Harry? Right quick. There we go. Check, check. Y'all ready? Can I preach just for a second? Check. Check, check, check. I'm going to preach until we figure out what's going on. I would love to see a group of young men. Most young men get affected by what they think, by what they see. Girls are normally affected by what they hear. You know, with me? That's why I love how the scripture says when she heard, she thought, and then she acted. Guys... We start thinking by how we see. Y'all with me? I love knowing how most young men get entrapped by pornography and lust by what they see. I'd love to have a group of strong young brothers. And most of them, it wasn't the fact that they were going out to look for something that they shouldn't be looking at. And girls, let me drop a footnote here. If guys can see it, they want to touch it. That's why modest is hottest. Okay? That's a freebie. But I'm tired of watching young men and young women be devastated because of what they heard and what they saw simply because they didn't understand how powerful Jesus was to sustain them. But I'd love to have, see, most young men enter into the world of, of, of devilish things and pornography simply by a buddy saying, hey, have you seen that? I'd love to have a group of young men who were so solid in Jesus, who had heard so much about Jesus, who were focused on Jesus, that when their buddy says, hey, man, hey, man, have you seen this? That that dude would stop and say, yo, hold on. If you're about to show me an image or a video of a half-naked lady or a fully-naked lady, I'm telling you right now, you better have insurance on that phone because I'm going to break it. Because I'd rather your phone be broken than my soul be broken by what you're getting ready to show me. Because I'm going to go Job 311 on you. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. I made a, a Psalm 119, 9 and 10. How can a young man live, according, uh, live a life of purity? By living according to your word, O oh Lord. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I would not, what? Sin against you. How do we define sinning, students? Sin is what? Choosing your way over God. Y'all digging with me tonight? See, that's the power of this. This young lady, when she heard about Jesus, she said, if I can touch him, and I could go into some prophecy from, from Micah, but I'm not right now, okay? She said, if I can just touch him, it'll change everything about me. And immediately, this girl, I don't even know how she did it. Like, maybe she went Rambo, totally covert, just booyah. She was like, you know, she's covering it up. She pushes through this crowd. Dude, she reaches out and touches Jesus. And when she touched him, she could feel that everything had changed about her. 
the 144 months of living in isolation, turmoil, regret, all kinds of just downplayed in her life, gone just like that. Now here's the question I got for us tonight if you want to take some notes. See, what you hear determines faith and faith determines action. Here's the question I got for us tonight. Where do we get our labels? Where do we get our labels? Here's where I find most of us get our labels. We get our labels from circumstances, emotions, and culture. Circumstances, what you go through, and everything you go through comes with a set of emotions. And you also have a culture that loves to slap labels on you. It loves to judge you. It loves to, it loves to categorize you by the way you think, the way you talk, the way you dress, the way you live, all those kind of things. Y'all with me? And so students, here's the deal. You, here's, here's the thing. Once you learn a label, you'll live a label, and you'll love that label until you realize that label is a lie. That is not who I am. See, some of you who've lived through broken homes, culture slapped on you. You're a victim. And so everything you do in your life is kind of like, Papa, I am what I am. I mean, you're, you're just, I'm a victim. If I'd have had a daddy, if we hadn't had to go through this. And then it all turns into this battle of emotions. That's what I was. As soon as my folks split up, I thought, man, this is crazy. I'm going to live any way I want to. I mean, you know, that's what, that's what statistics are supposed to live. Some of you have never felt, have you ever noticed people walk into a room and they immediately start pulling at their clothes? What are they trying to do? Trying to hide insecurities. Some of you are so conscientious of your image, you go to school with one pair of clothes on and in your book bag you have a totally different pair of clothes because you knew if you wore that set of clothes, your parents wouldn't let you out of the house. So you immediately run into the restroom at school, you change clothes so that what? You can fit in. You know what that is? That's a label. That's not you. And those labels never ever end. They just want more and more and more and more. And you've got to understand, students, that that is not what Christ called you to do. Some of you have had some crazy things happen to you. And I don't understand all that you've been through, but I know somebody that does. And what I'm saying to you tonight, students, is it's time to peel the label. You see, if you have a label and that label doesn't lead you to loving Jesus more, then you got the wrong label. And tonight it's time to peel it. Now I want to take you further in this text and notice what happens now in the very next part. Verse 30. The Bible says that once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him and he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Here's what I love about this. Number one, guys, you and I aren't just good girls and good boys that have some issues. We were dead in our sins. And it takes power to change you. It takes God kind of power to change you. And Jesus recognized that that kind of changing power had gone out from his body. It didn't deplete him. It wasn't like a video game where it was like, this is a turbo button, and she touched him and went, you know, and then he had to do a whole bunch of stuff to get it back. No. But it takes his power to change ways of thinking. It takes his power to change ways of acting. It It takes his power to change our eternal destiny. That's the reason why I spend my life. That's the reason why Micah spends his life. That's the reason why your youth pastors and youth workers spend their week in and week out because they believe that there is a power that can change you. The issue is, is will you surrender yourself to that power? And here's what I love. Jesus asked the question. He says, who touched my clothes? Now notice the disciples' response. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. 
and yet you, you can ask who touched me? <laughs> that's, a, that's the best question in the Bible. I can just imagine Peter, man. Peter's just a good old redneck. He's just a good old country boy, fisherman. I can imagine him standing there going, really, Jesus? <laughs> really? Jesus, we got people pressed up on us, all over us. I got people touching me in places I don't want them touching me. Sheer, by the sheer mass of the crowd, Jesus, and you going to ask who touched you? Better question, Jesus, is who's not touching me? Y'all with me? That's the better question. But what's the issue, guys? See, the issue right here isn't that Jesus didn't know who touched him because he's who? He's God in the flesh. The issue here is this. Jesus wouldn't let that young lady hide out. See, that's what some of us do. That's what this culture's taught us. This culture has taught us that we can kind of slip in church and we can slip out. This culture doesn't have a problem with you coming to youth camp, having a good time. Man, I can't wait for what we're, the celebration we're going to have tonight. Fun we're going to have. Woo, it's going to be so good. I can't wait. Your culture doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't mind you. Your culture doesn't even mind you coming back from camp going, man, I just had an amazing time. But your culture is going to have a huge problem when you come back and go, I cannot listen to this type of music anymore. I'll never forget when I was riding down the road with one of my buddies. I loved country music at the time. I still kind of like some country music. All right. And there was a dude on the radio at the time. His name was Randy Travis. And Randy Travis had this, this album called 1982, and I love that album. And I had to listen to it in my pickup truck on a cassette tape. Y'all don't know nothing about that, but I do. And I'll never forget, I was riding down the road one day, guys, and I heard him sing, On the other hand, there's a golden band to remind me of someone who would not understand. And I, I just, it paused. You ever have one of them aha moments like, wait, he's singing about... Whether or not he's going to cheat on his wife with this woman. And I thought, man, my entire life's been messed up because my daddy's cheated on my mama. No, I can't listen to this. So I'll pop the tape out, swing, slung it out the window. As soon as I slung it out, I remember in Bible study when I read, Obey the law of the land for the king's sake. I was like, man, I can't litter. Do you know how difficult it is to pick up a cassette tape that you've thrown out the window at 70 miles an hour on a busy intersection? Difficult, but I lived through it. Yeah. Y'all with me? You just, culture doesn't, doesn't love that. Culture's going to have a difficult time when you come back and you tell your friends, you go, hey, I got saved this week, yo. I can't smoke weed. No more. See, some of us also, culture likes to help us compartmentalize, like come to church, be a good kid, but on the down low, we're still smoking weed. See, guys, here's the deal. If what you have in your life doesn't help you run for Jesus, you don't need it. When I gave my life to Christ, I realized real quick there were some things in my life that I couldn't have in my life and be successful at saying yes to Jesus. There were some people in my life that I couldn't have in my life and be successful at saying yes to Jesus. Because when I was doing, when I, guys, y'all, I told y'all the other night, I started smoking weed when I was 10 years old. So I'd had five full years of knowing how to smoke weed. But immediately when Jesus changed me, when he saved me, that didn't fit in my life. And I know that's a battle for us now. Why? Because we got states legalizing it. We got culture buying into it. 
But see, here's the deal. Jesus doesn't just want part of you. He wants all of you. And he, he knew exactly who had touched him. But here's the deal. He wouldn't let her hide out as though it was some magic trick, as it was a, a one-hit wonder, as, as though it were just, you know, something that just happened and, and nothing else was there. Y'all with me? Does that make sense? See, he wanted her to know that she had been changed. He wanted to identify her in the crowd. You see, you can have a new heart, but you can still have old habits. And you can have a Lord, but you can be stuck in a label. But guys, you've got to understand that Jesus came to change those labels. He came to help you peel those labels. And notice what happens here. Y'all still digging with me tonight? Hey, look, I know I just struck a nerve. I can feel it in my spirit. My first summer camp that I did this summer, I had an adult leader come back from a small group, and a young lady, 16-year-old young lady in a small group said about my preaching when I started talking about getting rid of things in our life that, that create labels in our lives. This was her comment. She said, man, he'd have probably had a whole bunch of other people. He'd have probably had a whole bunch of other people respond to the gospel tonight had he not talked about music and talked about smoking weed you know what she's confessing is I'll let Jesus have this much of my life but this over here is mine and that's not salvation and that's not lordship you see guys Jesus is either lord of all or he's not lord at all can I say it one more time he's either lord of all or he's not lord at all And Jesus is looking for this girl. Why? Because it's not. this is not a drive-by healing. This is not a number two value combo meal that she was just like, man, I've been waiting for this for 12 years. Yeah, they finally built a Jesus Donald's in my, in my neighborhood, right? This isn't like an eclipse that only happens once in a lifetime. What Jesus wants her to understand is, baby, you just didn't get, you didn't get a magician. You got a master in your life. And now notice what the scripture says, and we're going to tie this jewel up right here as we go forward. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the what? Whole truth. She knew what had happened. She knew that that day... She had run out of all her options. And the only option she had left was not an option. He was the answer. And guys, the Bible, when it presents that she knowing. Come here, Jesus. Come here, bro. Jesus, y'all get, it's Jesus, right? Luke, my bad. My bad. Where's Jesus? I met a Jesus, too. Where are you at, Jesus? Where's Jesus? Where you at, Jesus? Oh, what's up, dude? I met you earlier in the week. Hey. Give it up for Luke. Luke's going to play Jesus, okay? Just stand right here. I'll do all of what I need to do, okay? I was going to make a cool joke and say, Jesus is playing Jesus. is <laughs> playing Jesus, but it didn't work. Okay, here we go. Look at this. She knew what had happened. And Jesus, just like with Zacchaeus, is pursuing her. He's looking around. See, when you're looking for him, he's already been looking for you. Because it takes his kind of power to change you. And she knew what had happened. And, and there was this freedom for her to finally once in her life for all. I know I, some of y'all can't see me, but I'm bound down right here. She knew 
what she had to do, and that was to be obedient. Let's go up here so they can see us. So the Bible says she came, and, and what did it say? And she fell at his feet. She humbled herself in obedience to tell him the whole truth. I don't want you to raise your hand or anything, but how many of you would love to have somebody that you could tell the whole truth to? See, here's the deal, guys. For her, it wasn't an issue of getting something from Jesus. It was an issue of getting Jesus. See, I can only imagine that everybody that was in that crowd, not everybody that was in that crowd wanted Jesus. See, not everybody who follows Jesus is willing to be a disciple of Jesus. See, I can imagine some of them pressing up on him. We're like, hey, Jesus, what's up? How you been? Good to see you. Hey, look, we heard you did this like a block party where this one kid just had a, you know, a few fish and a few loaves. And we're going to have a block party with our, like, really, it's a family reunion. And we don't even have any fish or loaves. You reckon you can hook us up? Now, is that an issue of getting something from Jesus or is that an issue of getting Jesus? Come on, talk to me. From Jesus. I can only imagine maybe a dad rolled up in there and said, how you doing, Jesus? Good to see you. Hey, uh, I, I heard about this story about you and your mama were at this wedding. And, dude, you just blew the wedding out. Like, you changed water into wine. Well, when my daughter's getting ready to get married, we don't really have much of a budget. You mind just showing up and be like, and just, you know, making the hors d'oeuvres really nice? Is that an issue of getting Jesus or is that an issue of getting something from Jesus? See, over the years, I've found students... They just want to get something from Jesus. Oh, Jesus, please don't let her be pregnant. Oh, Jesus, please don't let me have AIDS. Oh, Jesus, please don't let my mama find out I smoke weed. Oh, Jesus, don't, please don't let my daddy look, find out I, I look at pornography. Oh, Jesus, please let me pass this biology test because I don't want my car taken away from me. Oh, Jesus, please let me fit in with this group because I, I just want to feel poverty. Oh, Jesus, please let me make first string. Oh, Jesus, please let me be able to play baseball this year. Oh, Jesus, please don't let me strike out. Is that an issue of getting Jesus? Or is that an issue of what? Getting something from him. And here's the crazy thing, and here's how you can know and test your heart, is that when you don't get what you wanted, what's your attitude toward Jesus? You get mad, don't you? You go, man, forget you. You look at your youth pastor and go, man, I, 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 ain't, I ain't believing in Jesus. I prayed and asked him to heal my grandmama. She was like the best Christian woman I ever met in my entire life. And she died. I'm mad at him. When I hear that from students, you know what my response is? Tell me about your grandma. Man, she was the most godly woman ever. She loved Jesus. And where do Christians go when they die? To be with Jesus. So, bro, you going to be mad at Jesus for finally fulfilling the last promise to your grandma who was faithful to him? Have you ever thought that maybe Jesus looked at your grandma? He's like, man, but she prayed for me forever. Well, maybe the reason why you're at this stage in your life is this is the one place in your life that your grandmama and Jesus knew you'd listen to him. But you're going to be mad at Jesus because he looked at your grandma and said, Girl, you've lived a long life and you've been faithful to me. Come on up here and let me reward you for all that faith. You see how you can flip the script when it's not about just getting something from Jesus? See, when it doesn't work out, you get mad and then you push him off. 
And most of us are so jealous for our junk, we can't find any joy in Jesus. And we don't even realize that we're living a label. But you see, this girl didn't want to get something from Jesus. The truth of it was this. She just needed Jesus. It was an issue of getting Jesus. And here's what I love. Y'all still with me? And he said to her, what? Daughter. See, we don't know anything about her except her labels until the real label maker tells us her name. You are my daughter. In other words, saying, girl, I know the last day you went to the doctor, you gave away everything about what it meant for you to belong to a daddy and to have significance as a woman. But today, I want you to know that you got a daddy that can handle your identity and every part about you to make you significant. Do you see this, church? Do you see this, students? And the scripture says, your faith is healed. You go in peace and be freed from your suffering. You see, the reason why she changed is because, help me, bro, help me, bro, she met that day the real label maker. She met the real label maker. And guys, what I want you to understand tonight, y'all give it up for or give it up for Luke playing Jesus and for Jesus over there. Come on up, Micah. Micah and the band. You guys, Jackson, y'all want to get ready? Here's the deal. See, it's not an issue for this young lady walking around going, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. And see, she had lived in that so long, so long, that that, that label was a reality for her. But that day she met the real label maker. So that it wasn't any more of her walking around going, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. No. From that moment forward, it was an issue of saying, I'm his, and he is mine. And students, tonight, I want you to understand the same message is true for you. No more do you have to walk around saying, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Well, I've been through this, Brian. I'm that. I've been through this. This happened to me. Hey, look, I don't know what all you've been through, but I know that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, he suffered so he could identify with your suffering. He was tempted so he could deliver you from your temptation. As the scripture tells us in 1 Peter, 1 John, and in the book of Hebrews, that he appeared so that he could destroy the work of our enemy, the devil. Woo! That gets me fired up. So that you no longer have to have an excuse to say, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. No. So that you can say, I am his. Tonight when you walked in, there was a slip of paper on your, on, their, on, your sheet, or on your seat. Would you grab that real quick and just hold it up? Okay. Shh. Shh. Tonight I want to ask you, you can put it down. Just put it down in your lap. I want you to go ahead and grab you a pen, if you got a pen. You don't, you don't need to talk. If you have a friend that has a pen, could you just whisper to them and say, hey, could I borrow your pen? 
And here's what I want to ask you tonight. What is your label? I want to ask all eyes on me right now. You guys enjoyed the Word of God tonight? Made sense? You see, we didn't know anything about this girl except her labels until the real label maker showed showed up and he peeled her labels and he gave her a name that identified she's not those labels. She belongs to me. She's my child. See, what I'm concerned about tonight, students, is what label is so big in your life that's keeping you from living in freedom as Jesus' kid? And I want you to just think, is, I'm going to read a few, few labels tonight. Maybe your label's class clown. Maybe it's nerd. Maybe it's jock, band geek. Oh, that's the kid with ADD or ADHD. Oh, that's the troublemaker. Failure, addict, never gonna be able to live up to anything. Used, ugly, worthless, dumb, prideful, shameful, outcast church kid, good kid. I've found a many a student over, over a many continent that lost their way simply because they were tired of being a good kid. I find it among juniors and seniors in high school who have been raised in church and they get this voice in the back of their head that says, this is your last year, this is your last prom, this is your last season, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And that's not the Lord. That's your enemy. Because that voice always pushes you and presses you to not run for Jesus, but to get as close to the edge as you can. And some of y'all fall off. And if you're here tonight and you've fallen off, you have a Savior who can pick you up again. See, Jesus didn't die on the cross and was raised from the dead to make you a good kid. He died on the cross and rose from the dead to make you a warrior for him. Tonight, for some of you, it's time for the, good, the girl to sit down and the woman of God to stand up. Some of you tonight, it's time for the boy to sit down and the man of God to stand up. What's your label? Is it alcoholic? Is it druggy? Is it luster? Pornographer? Loner? Insecure? Broken home? Divorced kid? Is it flat, fat, poor, player, not good enough, never gonna make it, skinny, too good, unwanted, fearful? What's your label? What is it that stands between you? humbling yourself before Jesus to tell him all about it so that you can get him 
And you see, the crazy thing that I love about this story is this girl had to be inconveniently obedient. She had to push her way through. She had to take a risk. But the risk paid off. Because who she got was more than she bargained for. And what he did for her was what no one else could do for her. And that guarantee is not just for her, students. That guarantee is for you, too. Maybe tonight your label is lost. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. And I just wonder if there's a student here tonight who would say, Brian, that's my label. I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. And I've let all kinds of labels be put on me, but I know tonight I need to be born again. I need to ask Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need to ask Jesus to come in and change me. If that's you here tonight, I'm not going to ask us to bow our heads. I'm not going to ask us to close our eyes. If you're here tonight and you say, Brian, I know that my sins stand before me and God. And if I were to die tonight, that I don't know if I'd go to heaven. And based on my lifestyle, I can tell you that my lifestyle proves I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. And if that's you tonight and you say, Brian, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to surrender my heart to him. If that's you tonight, eyes wide open, lights on, everybody's heads up. You want to give your life to Christ tonight. Here's what I want to ask you to do. When I count to two, I want you to stand to your feet. Ready? One, two, stand. Wow. Don't sit down. Stay standing. Red-headed dude, are you serious? You want to give your life to Christ tonight? For real? Not you, you. You know what amazes me? Is that by all appearances, you guys ain't listened to a single word I got to say all night. Because y'all been over there talking. But it's, it amazes me. And I say that not to embarrass you. I say that to highlight the spirit and the power of Jesus Christ. And you know why I highlight that? It's because that was me and my good friend, Clayton King, who's now one of the greatest evangelists on the face of the earth. That's how we were in every Bible study until Jesus saved us. Those of you who just stood, who give your life to Christ, I want you to walk right down here real quick. Come on. Come on. Come on. responded to the gospel and invited Christ into your life. You have. You have. Okay. You have. Monday night. What What night? Second night. How about you boys? First night? First night? First night. Good deal. Not a problem. 
not a problem. But were you guys as sincere as you possibly could be the first night that you gave your life to Christ? That you gave your life to him? He's got me on. I'm good. Okay, cool. If you gave your life to Christ the other night and you were as sincere as you possibly could be, guys, you can't be any more saved or not saved than what you were on Monday night. Jesus did not forget you, okay? John 10, 28 is the greatest promise ever. Jesus says, those the Father has given me, I will lose none of them. And so if you gave your heart and life to him and you ask him to forgive you of your sins and save you, then you are born again. Now the issue is, is we gotta figure out how to live for him. Does that make sense? And I wanna make sure that you understand how to do that. And so I don't want you to go back to your seats. In just a second, I wanna send you out with some leaders I want to make sure you understand the decision that you made for Christ in your life. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Now, the rest of you are here with me. I want you to pray with me. We're just going to borrow some words based on the authority of Scripture to turn our life over to Him. Here's the promise He makes. He says, if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So let me pray. Let's pray together. Borrow my words. Don't pray them to me. I can't save you. Just pray with me and say, Jesus... I humble myself and I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I turn from my sins and in faith I turn to you. Forgive me. Come into my life and save me. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I will follow you. In Jesus' name, praise God. Guys, you, you, the label of lost has been torn off in your life. And you have a daddy who rules the world. And he is pleased to make you his child. From this moment forward, you will, you, you've never been alone. But now the promises are real for you where Jesus says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He's always been watching you. But he organized tonight that you would surrender your life to him. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do. What's your name, little brother? Elisha. Elisha. I'm going to ask you to lead this group, and you guys are going to walk right back there, and you're going to spend some time with some adult leaders to make sure you understand the decision that you made. Okay? Can, you guys go right now. Can y'all celebrate them? Can you celebrate what God's doing in their life? to do. I don't want you to sit down. I want you to stay standing. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Did you, did you figure out what your label was? Years ago, through Jesus, I was able to lay down the label of insecurity. Oh, it tries to get it back up on me on some days, but that's not who I am. I've been freed, I've been washed, I can only be who I am. And it's not an issue of me saying I am what I am. It's an issue of every time I'm insecure to say I am His. So here's what I want to ask you to do tonight. 
want you to take that slip of paper and I want you to write down what your label is. If you need to borrow a pen, there will be people around you who will help you. You say, Brian, my label, whatever it is in your life that keeps you from being fully submitted and obedient to Jesus. Oh, I would do that, but, well, your label is you care. You're a people pleaser. You care about what everybody else thinks. Oh, I would do that, but maybe it's insecurity. See, if your label doesn't lead you to love Jesus more, then you've got the wrong label. And I'm going to ask you to write what that label is. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's something you've done and you just can't, oh, you just cannot get over it. I want you to write it down. And here's what I want to ask you to do. There's time to do this. So don't run over anybody. But what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to bring that slip of paper I want you to bring it up here to this altar and I want you to lay it down as a testimony of faith, as a step of faith to say, that's not me anymore. And I want to give you courage to peel the label and to leave it. So Father, I ask and I pray that you would give students courage and faith that their labels could be peeled tonight. That old things could go and new could be manifest. And that, dear Father, they would not live bound in things that would keep them from you. Lord Jesus, they would celebrate freedom that that's not them anymore. You're the real label maker. And you call us daughter. You call us son. And we can celebrate you. In Jesus' name. This altar is open, students. Lay your label down.